Welcome to Wingtorn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman who hides the secret of her blood, and an emerging force threatening a tentative peace between humans and the Fae. This is a fantasy serial podcast, written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book Two, Allegiance. Chapter 13, Fingal, 15 years ago. Fingal couldn't stop shaking his head. She's not a fae. He turned to help Riona, whose thunderous crash to the floor surely would have alerted anyone in the kitchen. She was a crumpled heap of violet wings, torn dark fabric and hair, but her pointed lavender face emerged, seemingly unscathed. She glanced between Fingal and Brendan, lips pursed in question. As Fingal helped Riona to her feet and sorted out her dress and cloak, Brendan prowled the room with an unstable gait. The Fae don't look like that. They don't look like that. He kept repeating this over and over to himself, as if each iteration made it more true. Riona's wings fluttered and curled around her comparatively small body. Mama says... I'm special. So you do have a family, Brendan said. Brendan said. There was a hint of relief in his voice as he sunk to his knees. Where are they? Why aren't you with them? Then aggressively to Fingal. Did you take her from her family? How could you accuse me of that? Fingal retorted. Then, shouting from the corridor, desperate footfalls, a pounding on the door. Fingal? Iris? Everything all right in there? Nora. Fingal's face drained of color as Brendan backed away towards the door and pressed against it. His fingers hovered above the handle. The two young men simmered at each other as the past cast a dark shadow on Brendan's face. Both Fingal and Brendan had suffered and lost at the hands of the Fae. It's fine, Nora, Fingal said, holding Brendan's gaze imploringly. Iris just fell, but she's fine. We were supposed to play outside. The door handle turned. Hastily, Fingal adjusted Riona's cloak over her wings as the door opened. Nora had never been a tall woman. She easily evaded Brendan's initial attempts to keep her in the hallway with fumbling excuses and awkward body checks by ducking beneath his arms and forcing herself into the crowded bedroom. Riona hit cautiously behind Fingal's leg as he stood. "'What are you doing here?' Nora asked, her suspicious gaze flitting about. I thought you, she jabbed her brother's chest with an accusatory finger, 
or taking lunch with a good captain. I just ran back to ask Fingal something first, Brendan replied. Mm-hmm, Nora said, not believing him. She crossed her arms. I don't like the three of you in here, conspiring, possibly without me, on such a nice day. She knelt and held out a hand to Riona. The girl considered it as Nora continued. Dunnock has Connor outside. Let's go play. Then maybe we can stop by the Stovels. No, Fingal said at the same time as Brendan. She threw them both funny looks. Why? I don't trust the captain, Fingal said quickly. Nora's face grew dark. If it weren't for him, Donnock would not be here. He saved countless lives during the war. So whatever it is you don't trust about him... It's just because he's an Imperial, Nora, Brandon interrupted, waving a soothing hand. Oh, that? You're not a child anymore, Fingal. Yes, he can be rough around the edges. He has strong opinions, but he's here to keep us safe. Nora huffed and once again gestured to Riona. Let's go. Riona took a tentative step forward. She wrapped her fingers around her cloak. You can leave that on the bed, Nora said gently to her. It's not that cold out. I'm cold, Riona said, pulling her cloak closer around her. Sighing, Nora stood to her full height and enforced the issue. She took Riona's hand, and Riona seemed compliant enough. They started to leave. Fingal's mind tumbled as the little fay girl glanced over her shoulder at him. Worry painted her features. Brendan stepped between Nora and the door, leaning against the wood casually. You're not, uh, concerned about the scaffolding? The damage? Nora gritted her teeth. Everyone is talking about the fay. I don't see how they could be here or why. Everyone knows the Danmachs own this house, and the Fae tended to be more lenient on the islanders in the war. So, um, unless the Danmach have a personal rivalry with the malcontent Fae, uh, I don't know. Concern clouded her face now. The damage was magical. Maybe it was a warning that the Fae still living on the mainland won't recognize the peace. She talked herself into a way of thinking she hadn't considered, which frightened Fingal. Once people started believing there was a fae in their midst. The captain posted two of his men by the construction. Male is there with her crew. I think if it was a malicious attack, they won't hit the house again, not in broad daylight with tons of people around. Brendan said. He clamped a comforting hand on Nora's shoulder. Besides, this takes the pressure off you and Donna for a few days, right? You don't have to make your decision. What decision? Fingal asked. Nora shook her head. Donna's parents want us to stay here in Ashdown for a while. With the baby. Donna is amenable to the idea, but, but I'm not. What are we supposed to do here? 
I don't want to manage this house and this business of theirs, not here. We should go to the Isle, or, or further north, at least. Surely we can find work elsewhere or be put to work in a different place of interest within their business. There are plenty of opportunities out there now. We just have to seize them. Anyway, she squeezed Riona's hand. That's not for us to worry about now, is it? Can I go to the aisle? Riona asked, looking up at Nora. Oh, I'm sure you'll get there someday, Nora said brightly, casting a hopeful look at Fingal. Let's get some sun on you, Miss Iris. You're so pale. Brendan stepped aside as they walked out into the corridor, Nora chattering away at Riona as she led her outside. Brendan closed the door gently, and for a long time the two friends said nothing. Shifting his weight, Fingal felt outside of his body. Nora had taken his charge away. They might go to the Stovels. What if her cloak slipped? What if Riona became careless and started flying again? Breathing in deeply, Brendan settled in the bed, his hands clasped. I think you'd better start talking. You're listening to Wingtorn. Today's episode is brought to you by The Violet Fox, a young adult fantasy novel by Claire C. Marshall. If you enjoy Cinderella stories with castle intrigue, magic, and a little bit of romance, visit thevioletfoxseries.com to read the first three chapters now. That's thevioletfoxseries.com. And now, Wingtorn continues. Fingal nodded, though it felt involuntary. I found her in the castle on Liberation Day. In the chaos, her mother begged me to take her. His heart thumped violently against his ribcage at the thought of Riona's mother. Was her mother human? Brendan asked. Fingal shook his head slowly. He could tell him. Brendan was his closest friend. And you didn't see her father, Brendan continued. No. But she told you that her father was human? What did that matter? There wasn't a lot of time to ask. But she looks human, so she really is a half-breed. A real one. Yeah. I guess I haven't met a living, breathing half-breed before. I heard some came to Mother Zeppelin's, but I don't know what happened to them. They're, they're not supposed to live. I know, just stop. Fingal interrupted, banishing the thought. I don't know anything about her, other than she's half-fay, she's around two years old, and I'm responsible for her now. And I'd like it if she lived. No one knows about her, and no one can know. Imagine what would happen to her. She can live as a human. No one has to know. You can't keep her a secret forever. I can, and I have to. She will never be accepted. 
Brendan crossed his legs on the bed. It's obvious the destruction out there was caused by magic. Captain Stovall probably won't suspect the child, but... Brendan trailed off. But you did. Why? Fingal demanded. Brendan raised his eyebrows and blew out a long sigh. I knew something was off during our journey here. You were always doting on her. You wouldn't let her take off her cloak. And then her skin, her, her intelligence, especially for her age. And I... He shook his head, frustrated. Something about her makes me want to like her. And the only time I felt that pull was when I was around the Fae. They've got that effect. I guess it's in their blood or something. Fingal grimaced. That was a common belief among humans that the Fae had an inherent hypnotism. If you weren't careful, you would fall under their spell and become their puppet forever. Truth or not, it was difficult to say. She's a child, Brendan. Children grow up, Fingal. We've all seen what fey magic can do. I can teach her. You can't teach her magic. No, but I could help her control it. Brendan sighed. His fingers dug into the unmade tangled sheets. The captain seems to have it out for you. All Imperials did. They could pin Fingal as a criminal without knowing what he'd done. I know. I don't think the captain has put all the pieces together yet, but he will. If she stays here. I don't know what he'll do. I do. Fingal said bitterly. He had met many Imperial soldiers who had a hard stance on the enemy, even the children. He had heard tales of the special resting places for Fey children born or brought to the mainland during wartime. But there are things about the war one didn't talk about, didn't think about, because that was how one survived the day. I should take her and go, for her protection. I guess. Brandon looked troubled. So that's it then. You're going to keep her and pretend she's human. Fingal lifted his shoulders to shrug, but he didn't have to. He knew the answer just as much as Brendan did. Brendan, disgusted, shook his head and stood pacing the room around Fingal. How can you expect to have a life with her? He said. Where would you go where there are no Imperial guards? Or the Fae? I heard the Fae don't take kindly to half-breeds. They raided anyone who so much as looked at a Fae with a hint of interest. So why? Why sacrifice your future for that brat? Because before Mother Zeppelin's, no one wanted me. I didn't have anyone. Except for one. But he would not think on him, although his face appeared before him, crisp as Brendan's now. I survived on my own before the Imperials captured me and dumped me at the orphanage. Nora... And you, Brendan, you were my family. I finally had people who were real. Without you, I wouldn't be here. If I abandoned her, I'm abandoning myself.
I would never abandon you. He cleared his throat and looked at the door. None of us would. Bingle's throat tightened. He wanted to believe him so badly. So, Brendan said, disliking the compassionate silence. The girl's name, Iris. N not really a fey name, though, is it? Iris, no, Bingle said, nearly choking on the name. She knows it's her name now. Otherwise, her name is unpronounceable. The girl's name is Iris. He leveled his friend with a hard stare, as if to brand him with the name. Well, good to know. Brendan shoved his hands in his trouser pockets and made an awkward excuse of a gesture to look at the window. I'm already late. He opened the door to the bedroom. I'll do what I can about the captain to keep him off your back, though I think Nora's right. Might be nice to see the world. He smiled a little. Thanks for trusting me. Brendan waved his goodbye and yawned as he shuffled out of the room. His smile had pained Finkel. He hadn't trusted Brendan at all. He had lied to his closest friend. The truth was worse. After what the evil queen's men did to his family in the war, raided his home, killed his parents, he would never accept Queen Catriona's daughter. He would turn her over to Galen Stovall and the Imperials in a heartbeat. They had to keep lying, pretending, forever. Fingal didn't know how long he stood in that bedroom, but after a time, the air became stale and his hunger overtook him. He stormed out into the corridor, down the steps, grabbed the remnants of the bread on the table, stuffed them in his mouth, and threw open the front door. In the distance, he saw Nora and Riona running in the dusty fields by the road. Dunnock bouncing Connor and speaking to him brightly. The four of them looked like they belonged, like they'd always lived there, together, as a family. The expanse of the desolate town shook him, daring him to run. This episode was written, performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music was composed by Cloud Road Music, and additional music is by Irene Chan. If you want to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com. <laughs>